0: Today's episode is sponsored by Manscaped, the best in men's below the waist grooming. Now Manscaped recently sent us their performance package 4.0 to test out several of their products. Now the timing of this couldn't be better because I've actually been hitting up Hanlon's, that's Toronto's super gay clothing optional beach, a lot lately and I really want to feel good about my goods being on display. Now, I must admit, I usually don't like manscaping because it's really hard for me to navigate the balls and butthole region. And I've actually nicked my ball sack numerous times in the past with my old trimmer. And if you've ever had a below-the-waist grooming accident, you know how traumatizing it can be to put anything sharp near that area ever again. Now, the first thing I used was the Lawn Mower 4.0 trimmer. I used it on my pubes and then on the base of my dick, my balls, my undercarriage, and all the way around to the back of my butthole. Now, I must admit, I got a little overzealous with the trimming length, and I did it at the shortest length, which is 3 millimeters, when I probably should have done maybe 6 or 10 millimeters. Uh, So it's a good thing that hair does grow back. And by the way, guys, there's also a 13 millimeter setting. So if you like it longer down there, you have four different lengths to choose from. Now, I'm happy to report that I did not experience any nicks or snagged hairs. And considering that I have long, thick Italian hair down there, this is no small feat. And this is thanks to their advanced skin safe technology and ceramic blade that reduces grooming accidents. One of my favorite features, though, was this little 4000K LED spotlight that helps shine a light in all of those dark crevasses of my genitals. It was super helpful. Now, when I was finished with all the grooming, I spritzed with their Crop Reviver Ball Toner. Who knew that was even a thing? What a pleasant surprise. When I asked my partner to smell my balls, his exact words were, Ooh, that's nice actually. It's not overly strong and adds the perfect level of a refreshing scent to your freshly trimmed balls. I also tried out their nose and ear hair trimmer called the Weed Whacker which is waterproof and I got rid of those rogue annoying nose hairs within just a matter of seconds so that was super convenient as well. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their performance package 4.0. Their Manscaped boxer briefs which are sleek black boxers uh, and a travel bag, which is the perfect size to fit in all of the goods. Uh, It actually has a few little hidden zippers and pockets where I plan on putting things like condoms and lube packets when I'm traveling. So I can safely say that I can vouch for these products at Manscaped. And if you're in the market for new grooming products, you can get 20% off your order and free worldwide shipping when you use our exclusive promo code, GMGD at manscaped.com. Now, on with today's episode. All right. Welcome to Gay Men Going Deeper. This is a podcast where we talk about personal development, mental health, and sexuality. Your hosts today are Matt Lancetel, Callan Brecken, and myself, Michael Diario. Collectively, we have over 40 years of experience in the personal development world. And if this is your first time listening to us, we want to welcome you to the show. We each have our own coaching practice. And in this podcast, we're giving away all of our best stuff. So today we're going to be talking about how to make friends and we'll be answering these questions. What is the hardest part about making new friends and how do you deal with it? How do you become more likable to others and still honor your individuality? And then what steps can you take to expand your social network? So a reminder that we will be continuing this discussion on the last Thursday of the month in the Gay Men's Brotherhood Zoom Hangout. This is where we give you guys a chance, our viewers and listeners to share your own thoughts on the topics that we discuss here on the podcast. So if you want to join us, go to the private Gay Men's Brotherhood Facebook group and check out the events tab to RSVP. We've got two different times for you to choose from. Reminder that this podcast and YouTube channel is listener and viewer supported. So if you enjoy what we're creating here, what we're talking about, please go ahead uh, to our Patreon page and uh, support us by contributing to the show. You could also subscribe uh, to get early access to episodes on Apple Podcasts. All of your support helps us to continue making content for you and supporting the community. So we thank you in advance for that. And also check out our attachment style quiz in the show notes to find out your attachment style. Uh, We talk a lot about attachment styles on this podcast, and it's a very important thing to know. So uh, go ahead and do the quiz. Then what we'll do is we'll send you a free report on your attachment style. All right before we jump in i want to read a review from malcolm john this comes from youtube uh, on the episode that we did on having difficult conversations malcolm says wow guys your episode couldn't have come at a more perfect time my husband and i had a disagreement the night prior to me listening to this episode i tend to let things sit so i can process and articulate my responses I left today to go on a long walk and put in my earbuds and scrolled to this episode. Thank you all for sharing and being vulnerable online. After listening to this episode, I went home to have a hard conversation with my husband. There were tears and we worked things out. It feels so much better to get everything off my shoulders. Thank you again. So that comes from Malcolm. I'm really happy to hear that you're able to patch things up with your husband and, and these episodes I think do come in divine timing. Don't they guys? Yes. Yeah. All right, so um, let's jump into today's episode. So today we're talking about how to make friends. This is uh, the third episode that we've done under the the umbrella topic of loneliness. Um, So today we're going to talk more about the how. Uh, We actually have done an episode before called Friendships with Gay Men. That was actually episode 25 a long, long time ago. So it's been a while since we've talked about this. Today is going to be a little bit different because we're going to be taking a more practical look. So it's not specific to friendships with other gay men. Uh, it's basically more about how to improve your social life in general with or without gay men that that's part of it but not all of it so why is this important why is this an important topic to to discuss so of course friendship plays an important role in in any any person's life any sexual orientation however for LGBTQ plus people specifically, quality friendships where we feel safe to be ourselves are especially important. And this has been researched and documented thoroughly through what is called minority stress theory. So basically, as gay people or any minority, we are more likely to experience social rejection as as a result of our minority status. So in our case, it's it's our sexual orientation. So quality friendships like where you can be seen and heard and, and be authentically you really do help affirm. Our identity and help us feel less alone, and then help us deal with that minority stress. It's, it helps us alleviate that minority stress. So, research has suggested this um, minority uh, research has suggested that minorities, such as LGBTQ plus people, actually need friendship need not just want but need friendship for our mental and emotional well being more than our hetero counterparts. So that's why this is really important. Unfortunately, we all know that theory is one thing. The lived experience is quite another, (laughs) and it can be very challenging to find friends and keep friends, quality friends, um, especially as we get older. So loneliness, we've talked about previously, is very common in the gay community. and We've talked about that in depth in our last few episodes. So if you haven't heard those, please go listen to those. Uh, And it's very common, uh, as we even read in the Gay Men's Brotherhood group, a lot of people coming in, making their intro post. It's very common to feel a sense of uh, longing for community, camaraderie, connection, it's it's lacking in our community. And this, of course, part of the mission of the Gayman's Brotherhood and of what we're doing here in the podcast. So I was scrolling through some of the posts recently over the last couple of weeks or so, uh, looking at kind of, you know, what what the connections were and what the trends were with respect to this this uh concept of friendship. So adding that to sort of my own personal experience and my own experience coaching, there's been, there's a lot of reasons, a lot of different challenges that we have that prevent us from making quality friends. So some of them are, uh, a lot of people talked about not being able to make friends with other gay guys because all they want is sex. We hear this a lot, all all we want is sex. And, uh, you know, it's hard to turn that into a friendship for a lot of people. So that's one of them. And that's what we talked about in our episode 25, Friendships with Gay Men. We talked a lot about that there. Um, another reason could be there might be some kind of childhood trauma. So maybe you were bullied as a kid, and that lingering—that's lingering and preventing you from putting yourself out there today as an adult. Another common one that we've talked about is lone wolf syndrome. Uh, having that preference for being alone in solitude can prevent us from seeking connection. Uh, for some people, they have a generalized social anxiety. Uh, I think after COVID, uh, you know, I don't know if there's research on this, but I seem to i have seen more of this, uh, after, after COVID, after the lockdowns, uh, I think people have a harder time connecting or just a more, a little bit more of a social anxiety. Uh, another one that I read in the group, someone had made a post about, um, being likable. And so we're going to talk about that today. That's one of the questions today. People don't believe they're likable. And if you don't believe you're likable, if you believe you're flawed, then it's gonna be very difficult for you to put yourself out there and want to make true friends. Right. Uh, Another thing is a lack of LGBTQ plus affirming groups and communities. So there might be, you know, you might live in a rural area or in a country where you don't have that kind of support. Uh, So that could be very challenging. And then another thing for, for those who are getting older, and I'll be talking about this a little bit in my shares, is people just naturally grow apart as you get older, right? So when we're in school, kind of, it's a little bit easier, you might say, to, to find friends because you're there, you're you're doing this thing in common, you're seeing people every day, but as you get older, um, you know, those priorities shift and friendships do fade away. Uh, and then the other one is people simply don't know how. I don't know how to make friends. I hear that a lot. So that's why we're here. So we're going to jump into the first question today, uh, which today I'm going to pass on to Matt. Okay. And the first question is, what is the hardest part about making new friendships and how do you deal with it?
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to think back on the uh, making friends with gay men or whatever. <clears throat> I think what I was dealing with at that time, which was a long time ago, man, it was like almost two years ago. Yeah, episode 25. Yeah. yeah. What episode are we on now? What episode is this? This is uh, maybe 115 or so. Okay. So, yeah, oh, something geez. like yeah. that. Something. 90 episodes ago. 90 weeks ago. Um, Okay. So I think one of the, 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 I'm trying to put this in the context of like the gay world, but also the other world too, because like, I feel like I have a lot of my friends are females. Um, I have a lot of heterosexual male friends. Um, And then I have gay friends, although a lot of my gay friends are actually online because of what we're, what we're building, but I do have some um, like in person as well. Um, a common theme in my life has been um, attraction, you know, um, so I be- develop friendship, I have an intention to become friends with somebody. And then um, throughout the course of trying to develop a friendship, feelings start to um, occur. And, you know, it's we, we all try and think that, yeah, oh, yeah, we can we can manage it. Or even if we have sex, we can manage it after for a lot of people that's really hard to do it just something changes you know and um and if the feelings aren't mutual and there there's some form of rejection that takes place it suddenly just shifts the dynamic of the relationship where the other person might feel like they lost some power in the dynamic and there's i don't know there's just some sort of awkward dynamic that occurs um so that's been a common theme in my life and i found it i found it really hard to to have friends with um have friendships with gay men because of that. And, um, so usually what I'll do is at the very beginning, if there's not an attraction or something, I'll be very clear. Like, so that's not like there's, there's no reason for the person to develop an attraction to me or to like, you know, start to play, um, play out that, um, so i'll do i'll say things like oh you know you're such a great friend or you know i'll i'll just plant seeds like you know and let them know that this is this is the zone that we're in and that we're operating in and i'll try my best or sometimes i'll just speak you know very you know authentically and say this is what's up so um but yeah, so that's been a hard thing because then I'm I'm also very like a, a very affectionate person, very touchy. Um, I love to talk about deep things. And I think sometimes that can come across as flirting or whatever. So, you know, I I, I don't want to have to change my nature um, for people. So again, always authenticity is is the best approach here. Um so that's one of them. Um Something I experience, and I have since I was younger, I've talked about this in in pretty much a lot of episodes, um, but just feeling different, you know, um, being gay is definitely an aspect of being different. But I think, again, just being a sensitive person and an intuitive person in general, it just makes you different. You see the world differently. Um, A lot of people don't resonate with um, either my energy or um, my thoughts my ideologies. And that's been a big barrier for me. So compatibility is one of them. Um, and I would say a lack of depth and, and that's not a, that's not a qualifying statement. I'm not saying that people, it's it's a measurement of like people who have more depth are better, somehow better than people who don't. But for me, I just know that I need to be around people who have that depth. And I define depth as people who are more on the spectrum of philosophical, Um, spiritual, they love to talk about psychology, um, these sorts of things, because this is the arena I play in. And I love it. You know, I'm not a small talk kind of person. So um, that would be something for me. And and I, I struggle putting myself in situations where there is a lot of that. So like going to events where there's gonna be a lot of small talk, and you're bouncing around from group to group, just like, skimming the surface of who you are and kind of talking about really light things it's just it's not an area i thrive um so that's definitely um i guess limits certain environments that are uh that set me up for success i guess is how i'll put it um I think my sensitivity plays into a role like my sensory processing sensitivity, because I, um, again, I get put off by like loud sounds, uh, bright lights, um, like w- white noise, things like that. So if I'm at like a, a dinner party and I'm having a conversation with the person across from me and I can hear all of this noise around me, I have a really hard time focusing. And I think that's, you know, these little things about my, my sensitivity, really put me almost in these these states of fear because I'm like I um I guess it would be a fear of rejection um because I feel like I can't be or participate in social settings the way that a lot of other people can so for me it's just easier to not (laughs) than to be by myself or to be one-on-one with people so um There's just that, I I don't know, I've always had this. I've always had this kind of, um, well, I guess ever since I've started honoring myself in an authentic way, I've struggled with this um, because I find that the environments, especially meeting gay men, meeting other gay men, the environments where I would meet them would be um, in in social places. And I don't put myself in a lot of social situations. So believe it or not, actually, a lot of my friends – my gay male friends are guys that I've gone on a date with and it never worked out. We didn't have the chemistry. And then it turned into a friendship. That's truly like, I would say 80% of my, my gay male friends are that situation. And that content like kind of carries us into having a very one-on-one connection where we just hang out and, and you know, we know that it's platonic. Um, so, yeah, um, And then, you know, the fear of rejection, I I would say to answer the second part of the question, like, how do I deal with it? I think um, the challenges I deal with them by just facing it, you know what I mean? And like saying yes, when my, I automatically want to say no. And I've, I've made a commitment to myself um, over the course of the holiday season. And and I want to try and continue this going forward um, is to put myself out there more and face my fears. That's kind of where I'm at and I started uh, taking vocal coaching and this woman hosts a bunch of events and open mics and things like that. And she asked me if I wanted to go to this open mic and initially, and this is what I always do. My initial response is no, I'll just tell people, no, you know, I'm not really feeling it or whatever. And I have been working with my therapist to like, okay, override that. Let's override that mechanism because it's a fear-driven mechanism. Let's move into saying yes more. And putting myself out there and going to these things. So anyway, I went to this open mic and it was a lot of fun, and I met some cool people. Um, But it is such a, it's such a defense mechanism, you know. And it, it, I know that it's motivated by a fear of rejection or a fear of awkwardness, you know. Um, That's actually maybe that's more what it is for me actually, because I don't really have a strong fear of rejection when I actually think about it. I think I, I fear being awkward or being the odd person out or being weird, because I think that's, that's this, that, that's kind of this the narrative that's been created throughout my life is in groups of people. I always say the things that people are kind of like, Oh, I don't get it. Or it's just, I'm, I kind of have been reflected from people that I'm different. You know, and I think that um, so maybe it's a f- instead of it being a fear of rejection, I think it's more of a fear of being othered or being different, which is a bit of a different flavor for me because I'm I'm OK with people rejecting me. I've kind of made peace with that. Um, so anyway, that's my
0: two cents. <laughs> I just want to say when you were here, Matt, visiting uh, Callan and I back in the summer, you know, you were in like we saw you in those social groups for, from the outside looking in you, you seem to, you know, blend in very well and you seem very social and confident so it's interesting to hear sort of what's going on behind the scenes Mm -hmm. yeah
1: yeah and uh, part of it was psyching myself up and putting myself into that zone but I remember the first night when we went out and I was I didn't sleep the night before because that trashy bed that I was sleeping in and I was so out of it and I was trying to like you know like just and I just couldn't do it I'm like I gotta leave guys like you know what I mean so yeah but I appreciate you reflecting that to me because sometimes like the inner the inner me is like playing out all of my stuff, right? And projecting it out there. And it's like it's that it's good to know that people aren't receiving me sometimes the way that I think I'm being received. So mm. yeah. yeah, I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah, the games we play inside of our minds. Oh, it's craziness. <laughs>
0: Madness, I tell you. How about you, Calan?
2: Oh, well, I really like this topic. Um, because I've done a lot of work in this, and I used to think maybe I wasn't so good at it. And then I was like, no, I am really good at this. Um, So, you know, one of the hardest parts um, that I think overall, I'm going to kind of talk maybe more generally for like people um, about just making new friends is that we can get, um, we can, A, as we get older, we get really weary uh, especially if we've been burned v- before from past relationships, like friendship relationships, um, mm-hmm. and then we can also fall into like our routines. And when you fall into a deep routine, it's so hard. To kick yourself out of it. That's why people don't go to the gym when they say they're going to go to the gym and do these other things, because your brain likes that routine, it likes the lazy brain, and it doesn't like to think and doing new things means your brain has to think and your brain wants to protect you and keep you safe. So it's like, no, do the routine, because I understand that I know that that's safe. This other thing over here is not safe. And so going out making new friends and being social, especially if you haven't for a really long time, is breaking out of that routine and thus it's not safe to do that. And I find a lot of people can get into that and that's why we've noticed it after the pandemic where people are like, oh my God, this has been my routine for so long. I don't know how to do this anymore. It's no longer safe anymore because I don't have the the, uh, remembrance of how easy it used to be to just go and hang out. And so tracking back to that first part of like, you know, people being weary from being burnt before, I've had friendships in my life that were like over a decade long. And then just out of the blue, the person's like, I want you out of my life. And there's no trigger points. There's no like specific incidences to look back on and go, okay, like, where's this coming from? And part of it is people just move on and people, you know, grow up and things change and people evolve. But sometimes it's just that other person. And that really sucks. But then to process that as an adult, because like, maybe you met this person as a teenager, this is this incident I'm using, I knew this person from high school, and then our, you know, our relationship devolved, evolved. And then they're just like, okay, I don't want you in my life anymore. But there's always those telltale signs kind of like thinking back, you can see like, okay, They didn't treat me properly they weren't exactly the kindest person but they checked this box of like we had a lot of fun together and we laughed but they were also like maybe a bit mean but like you don't really focus on those things when you're a kid or when you're growing up it's kind of like your friends are your friends and that's how it is and if you get stuck into a box i know a lot of you know heterosexual people who they get stuck in a box of like well these have always been my friends so they have to be your friends But then nobody ever calls out that meanness or that thing that's said over here where it's like, "Uh, you know what, you've kind of been a dick to me, our whole friendship. And I need this dynamic to change because I want to change. But that means I can't continue being friends with you like this if I want that to change. And so there's a lot of these things that go into it. But I think that that's one of the hardest parts about friendships and like developing friendships, especially after you get older, is that you've had those relationships where you've gotten burned or something happened. And to open yourself up to that, it's the same as a love relationship, you need to open yourself up to it and just kind of trust that that person wants to continue that friendship as well. And then if they don't, it's the same as if you were broken up with, like there's a mourning, there's like a pain, there's a hurt that's there. And the more that that happens, the more you begin to believe as a person like, okay, well, what's wrong with me? Like, what am I doing? And you internalize everything that it has to be something to do with you. When we all know it's everybody's individual stuff. You don't live in this person's mind. You don't know what they're thinking or what their experience of you is. And so you kind of just have to go, okay, well, I guess we'll see. But that's so scary for people. So I think that's one of the hardest parts about making friends, especially as an adult, is like all your past history continues to follow you every single day, every single new relationship that you look at. And in regards to friendship, you're like, well, how much do I really wanna invest in this friendship? Um, And then there's another kind of second part to this because I've traveled the world and I've lived in many different places. When I was living in the Middle East, there was a part of me that went, well, how much do I really wanna invest in this friendship because I'm gonna be leaving. And so I'm not gonna see you every day. I'm not gonna be building that camaraderie, that energy. And when I'm gone, that's kind of going to fizzle. Like I still have two of my best friends live in Dubai and in Sydney, Australia. But we talk like once a month on the phone. It's not the same as when we were in person. And so that can be really hard for a lot of transient people who tend to travel a lot for work or live in different places for them to develop friendships. It's like, well, how much time do I want to really invest in this? Because if I'm going to go and have to make new friends again back home, do I really want to get to the deeper stuff with you in this like next year or two, or do I want to just keep it topical? So it's a little bit easier for when I have to go. Um, so yeah, those are just a couple of experiences and thoughts that I have on what the hardest part about making friends is, but I'm really curious as to your thoughts on this, Michael.
0: Yeah, that's, um, you, you touched a little bit on, on what I wanted to share as well about, you know, as I, as I get older, I think the question I'm going to answer it very personally. I can take the opposite take. You answered it kind of generally. I'll, I'll speak to my experience now. Uh, so in my 20s, the issue, the hardest part about friendships was, you know, just wanting to fit in and wanting to be liked. I just moved to Toronto, you know, new to the scene and all that good stuff and wanting to like be part of it. And then in my 30s, that's where it became more of wanting to be a deeper connection. So uh, wanting like that authenticity and wanting to be Like, like what I was saying at the beginning, um, you know, wanting to have those conversations about things that most people, most, at least most gay guys in my circle at the time, didn't want to talk about, or just had no interest in finding those deeper connections, either with friends that I already had or eating or meeting new people. But now I'm in my late thirties, uh, getting closer to 40. And I would say this is probably the easiest it's ever been for me to make friends, which is not common. I understand, but I think it speaks to a lot of the the work that I've done over the last 10 years on myself, more than that, you know, focusing on who I am authentically and really building that authentic sense of self, focusing more on belonging over fitting in um, creating healthy boundaries. So, you know, knowing the people that I do want in my social circle, but also knowing the ones I don't and, and maintaining that Um, knowing my own needs and wants, Around connection, so you know who who do I want in my social circle and why? Uh, nurturing those relationships, not settling for less, um, so all that good stuff. Plus, I think it's also important to nurture the friendships I do have and value the most. It's really easy to take friendship for granted. I've 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 learned in my life. Um, you know, we focus a lot and we talk a lot about like you know the the work it takes to have a romantic relationship and nurturing that and all that good stuff, but also. The same could apply for a friendship, and it has in my case. Um, you know, Some of my best friends have been there for 15, 20 years at this point, but it wasn't always easy. We have to actively nurture that at times. So the results now, as I look at my social circle, I'm very proud and blessed to say that I have an amazing social circle, but I want to reiterate, it's not by accident. It's very much by design. Um, so looking at that, looking at my social circle now, it's a lot smaller right, than it was three five ten years ago as I get older it does get smaller and that part of me was like uh you know these I noticed these people kind of fading away fading out and like should I be concerned it, that I guess that's the challenge now is I want to make sure that the friends I do have I don't I've realized I don't need a lot of friends. In fact that kind of overwhelms me. I do like having a few friends yeah. that I could turn to for various different things right um and I do still want that ability and, and I have that need to have Deep conversations, you know, you guys, you guys, I consider you uh, two people that I can turn to for that. Uh, but also, you know, friends that I can go with and have fun with. And you know, like, there's different needs for different parts of me. And I'm very happy to say that my social circle is very diverse. <clears throat> typical, typical for me, right? Uh, gay people, straight people, male, female, singles, couples, urban, suburban. Some of my best friends have kids and families and husbands and wives. Uh, Another ones are single, like and and live downtown and they're, they're similar in other ways so the the challenge all this to say has been as I get older is kind of figuring out okay who who's in my social circle and like as people grow and evolve like is it okay to kind of let them fade or let those friendships fade and it's hard to do because I get very sentimental and you know Cal you were saying that in the hetero world some people just stay friends because they've been friends forever and like that's just what we do but the truth is people do grow and sometimes that's not in the not in a direction that's really compatible anymore and it's hard to kind of come to that realization so you know yeah priorities shift i the person i was five years ago is not the person i am today i own a business now i'm older now i am in a relationship now it's very very different than you know that that guy was before. So some of the things that I connected with people before are not the same things now, and the hard part is navigating that shift. Um, you know, and so how do I do that? I think it's really been a challenge to let go of this narrative of the good old days. I find I do that, and I'm like, okay, Michael, those were good days, yes, but so are these ones, and so are the next ones. Like, so is tomorrow. They're all they're all a good day. So, rejecting this notion that you know yesterday was better than today, and having that big group of friends I had before was better than this, I have to like kind of let go of that because it's not true. Um, I deliberately choose the people in my life for who they are today, not for who they were five, 10 years ago. And hopefully they do the same with me because I'm very different for sure. A lot of people would tell you that people have known me for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, Another thing is re-getting to know them. So for example, a friend of mine who got married and had two kids, um, you know, I love her from, I'm trying to remember when she was, when I first met her, like, you know, she was uh, a party queen, scene queen. Uh, we'd go out together all the time and to look at her now, she's a completely different person as well, but loving her, on her journey right like loving her as that version of her as the party girl but loving her as a mom and she's a beautiful mom a great mom I love watching that growth so kind of like letting people evolve because I would hope and she has let me evolve because I'm also not the same guy that she met right but she that that relationship works and we kind of keep up this this part of like okay let's like let's go on dates together let's get to know each other like how, how is it being a mom and like really letting her be that and not judging her for like oh you're like this now, you know, that's not fun anymore, which I think mm. a lot of guys, I've seen them do that. So yeah, I think that's been the biggest challenge is really knowing who to let go. Cause sometimes it's legit, like it's time to let go. It's time to fade to black. And something that I often use is the, uh, the reason season or lifetime. I forget exactly who came up with this, but it's the notion that people come into your life for either a reason, a season or a lifetime. If it's a reason, usually it's a short-lived something externally that brings you together for the benefit uh, of whatever that reason is. Uh sometimes it's a season. So this is someone who's in your life maybe through a particular phase of your life and serves that season, but eventually that ends. And then there's the the people that are with you for a lifetime. And uh it's it's okay if a relationship or a friendship doesn't last a lifetime. That's totally okay. I think it's important that we also know that, that shouldn't like the the success of a friendship, just like a relationship should not be determined by its length. But maybe how powerful it was when you had it. So that's yeah, that's my answer. I don't know if I answered the question, but that's that's where I'm at with my friendships now. <laughs> I love it. <that. laughs> so I wanna the next question is an important one, and I, I want to preface it before I ask. And we'll do the same order, we'll do Matt first. But um, so this one's about likability. And this came up because as I said, I was going through posts in the Gaimans Brotherhood Facebook group. And I awarded this question just so. (laughs) So likability, first of all, is a vague trait that describes just the, the, you know, being well liked by others, being generally well liked. Now, there are many different traits that can make someone likable. Some examples are authenticity, charisma, confidence, humorous, kind, empathetic, and so on. These are common ones. Um, But there's a very fine line between embodying these traits for real and then trying to wear them as a mask to be perceived as likable. So that's where this question is coming from. And I'm really curious to hear what you guys have to say. So how can you become more likable to others and still honor your individuality? And actually I have a bonus part B to this. (laughs) Um, I want to know out of curiosity, what to you guys makes someone likable? So what makes someone likable to you? What are some of those traits? Charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. <laughs> yes, that's awesome.
1: Yeah. I want to play. I want to play a clip actually before I go on to my ramble because you guys both said it, and I was like, should I share this? And then Michael, you said the exact thing that this person says, which is about the reason, the season, and the lifetime. Yes. So this is a, an excerpt. An excerpt. It's just um, fifty seconds long from Tyler Perry who is a, um, an American pastor preacher. So anyways, I'll play it so you guys can hear what yeah. he says. Cause it's really, really touching. It's very inspirational.
0: And If I can leave you with anything, I wanna leave you with this. Yeah. Hear me clearly when I say this. There are people who come into your life sometimes to be there for a season. They weren't meant to be there always. Sometimes we find ourselves hooked up
2: with people that we think are there for a lifetime, but they were only supposed to be there for a season There are people who
0: come in your life like boosters for a rocket If you ever watch a rocket go into space the boosters fall off when it reaches a certain altitude Some people are not equipped to handle the altitudes that you're going to So don't be afraid when they fall off. They're not bad people. They just couldn't go where you're going
2: I love that.
1: And I love him. He's, that's yeah. the actor who does Medina, right? I'm not sure. I've never really discovered much of him. I just saw some, my friend sent oh. that to me. Oh, no, so, I'm pretty sure he's the actor who's like,
2: he plays Medina and like, he's like, you know, Oprah and like done, done okay. does tons of charity work. But yeah, he's a great guy.
1: Okay, yeah, huge audience. Like there was like a massive audience at his thing. So obviously he's quite popular. But I don't know there was just something about that that really stood out to me and it's like you know you talk, you both talked about how friendships evolve and some of them fall away. and I just think that's exactly what it is, right? I think the, the common thread that keeps people connected is compatibility and and shared interests in these sorts of things. And you know, I've had the experience the opposite experience with you, Michael, as you know, a lot of my female friends who had kids, we lost touch because their life bec- became very dominated by that. And we just, we lost a shared interest. Right. And I, I trust that if it's meant to come back, you know, when their kids are older and we come back in a connection, maybe in our forties or fifties, then I, I, I welcome that. But I, I just look at it as, you know, everybody comes into our lives for a reason and, um, it's important for us to be able to let go of the ones that are meant to you know be let go of and to maintain the ones that are. So I just wanted to to say that. so I know that diverts from question two so' I'll, re- I'll reshare what question two is. So how can um, you become more likable to others and still honor your individuality And then the second part of your question was how can or what what makes other people likable to us? Yeah, I want to for, for you guys personally
0: yeah uh, what 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 are the traits that make someone likable to you? okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. So it was interesting what came up when I read this question, because I was like the word likable, it it brought up something in me, I was like, it kind of triggered me, actually, like it activated something. And I was like, Oh, like, that's completely the opposite of what I'm wanting to do. And I think the trigger was because that's what I did for a lot of my life. I played the fitting in game. And I I, I masqueraded as somebody that was likable. And I was all love and light. And I was spiritually bypassing. And I was, you know, I, I wanted people to like me because I didn't I couldn't tolerate somebody not liking me because it 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 touched on the part of me that I didn't like about myself, right? And now that I've done a lot of this deep deeper work and I've gotten to a place where I actually have self-worth now and I really actually love who I am um my main objective is not to be liked. My main objective is authenticity. so it is it, it is to celebrate my individuality. and if, if the byproduct of me being authentic is to be liked, fantastic. That's the cherry on top of my Sunday. But if me honoring my individuality and my authenticity leads to me not being liked, I'm completely okay with that as well. So um, I really wanted to preface with that because um, you know, I'm also a human being and I really want to say that it's not about not caring what people think about me. Because I don't know if that's really possible. I, I, it, I, I the, the more I go through life, I'm realizing that when people say that, oh, I don't give a shit what people think about me, it's just that ego coming in and trying to protect the part of us that does care what people think about us. But I think what happened in my transformation is I I started to care more about what I thought about myself. And, and, and that, that was it. I didn't care less about what people think about me. I just learned to rise above and care more about what I think about me, which gave me the, the, the feeling that I care less about what people think about me. But really it's just me prioritizing my own opinions of myself. Um, so I don't, I don't really play in that arena anymore. I don't play in the arena of wanting to be liked or showing up a certain way. So people like me, um, the brotherhood's been very healing for that for me like the, the actual brotherhood like the facebook group and and the, all the stuff that came out of that right was really really challenging um in its infancy and that allowed me to to kind of um do the deep work inside to kind of learn to to get really clear about what my activations were what my triggers were what was why was i trying to shape who i was to accommodate other people because I, I couldn't tolerate being activated in certain areas of my life. Well, when I started moving towards those places and those triggers and, and allowing those activations to take place consciously, the fear of people not liking me just kind of melted away. Right. And um, because I wasn't worried about being activated in the, in the places that I was, that were shadows of myself, essentially. Um, So, I think, but I did write, I wrote down four things, um, because I want to answer the question less philosophical and more direct. Um, how can you be more likable? Well, kindness, and this is probably answering the second part of the question as well, because what I'm projecting out in, in, um, how I feel like people would like me and how people perceive me would be very much the same things that I see in other people that I really like. So I'm answering the same question. Um, the first one is kindness. When people are kind, and, and for me, I experience kindness as an open heart, right? When people are kind, their 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 heart is open and they are leading with love. They are leading with consideration of how they show up in life, how that will impact you, right? So there's a consideration and a kindness that, that I think is really important. Um, empathy. So when somebody shows an interest or a concern in how I'm feeling, And they have an understanding and a, and a relatability to that. They're like, you know, I really understand what it's like to feel like that. You know, it, I I've also experienced that and they share something that, that, you know, they share vulnerably. And that allows me to see that, see my own humanity in somebody else. Um, That's the power of empathy. And I think that's something that's lacking in such a big way in our world. So when I see it or feel it, from somebody else it just feels so fucking good because it's not a common thing that that we see and it's not a common thing that we see within the greater world like sure we can practice it within our families within our intimate relationships but when was the last time you just experienced empathy from a stranger, right? Or from from somebody or seeing a, like an act of empathy on TV. It's just not as common anymore. It feels like it's like everything is about division and and divisiveness at least, you know, through my my perception of reality at this current time. Um the other one is curiosity. Um you know, something that makes me feel like I I I would like somebody and I want to show interest in them. Um and get closer to them is when they take an interest in me. So they ask me questions. They, you know, they want to learn about me. It makes me feel seen, and it makes me feel heard. And I think a lot of us as human beings, a lot of our core wounding, is around not feeling seen and not feeling heard. So if we can offer somebody that gift through practices and displays of curiosity, I think we're we're going to put put ourselves set ourselves apart, right? And people will see that and value that in us, which makes us more likable. And then the king cobra of them all in my opinion is humility it is it's something i've struggled with in a lot of my life because i i viewed humility as a weakness my ego was confused and just in the last few years i've i've really learned how to um tame my ego more give up control be more flexible and the result has been more humility and i find that it's it's um it's very received by people they they like that they like the fact that cuz when somebody's not humble they're arrogant they come into a space and they they take up they take up space aggressively and it m- makes other people feel like they can't bring forward themselves because there's too much space being taken up with aggression or with ego so humility is about like o- occupying your space but not reaching into other people's space right that's how I experience it so it's like okay we're all going to own our space and we're all going to have a seat at the table and we're all going to listen to each other right I think humility is the listener in us and uh, again when people practice humility it really um, it's an attractive quality and romantically it's a very sexy quality I find a, a, a humble man to be very very sexy yeah yeah that's what I got for you.
0: <laughs> Ours are going to be very similar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, I kind of have like
2: different things for this one. <laughs> good, um, good, yeah. So, but I do like, I do resonate on a lot of what you said, Matt. Um, I think I just worded them differently, but to start this one off is like, how do you become more likable for me? Mine was, I was kind of thinking about this. I'm like, you know what? I've kind of been embracing more of the being perceived as an asshole like I don't care about being perceived as likable I used to um because like as all younger people do you worry about like being part of the community and being accepted and all these things but as I've gotten older I've kind of just embraced the like sometimes I come across as an asshole because I'm very factual and people don't like that they're like why aren't you more sensitive why aren't you you know my emotions than this I'm like I don't care about your emotions I care about the facts because your emotions are telling trying to ramp up this story that's you know not in alignment with the actual facts so let's focus on the facts um I swear I should have been like a lawyer or something because like I'm really good at just being like your emotions are great but that's not a fact that's a feeling (laughs) um And then in saying that, though, is that realizing because, Matt, you were kind of talking about earlier about like, you know, how people perceive you and all these things and realizing that if I'm in an asshole mood or experiencing that, that we are multifaceted people and we have many layers and it's okay because I'm not always an asshole. I'm also very kind and caring and I listen and I'm empathetic and I'm also these things. So it's not just I am this one thing, it's I can experience this experience. And I can also experience being, you know, vulnerable and gentle and kind and all of those things as well. And I think people get stuck in the like, I can only be one or the other, or I have to be this or the other. And it's allowing yourself to breathe into the space of being that multifaceted human being and having those different experiences, because that's who we are. We are a messy, fucked up social creature and just part of the journey and so i really got to a place where i had to just be okay with that um and matt you actually helped me being you know when you said about the like being okay with being the villain in somebody else's story like that really helped me just be like you know what it is okay um but in regards to like actually how to become a good or how to become more likable to people in like literal terms i know for me the things that I really like about other people is the same things that I see in myself that I try and also share with other people. So, you know, things like listening more than you're talking and not just like listening because you're like, Oh, I have to listen, but genuinely listening, like actively listening to the person. That means like looking them in the eye and like, taking in what they're saying and then thinking about it and then asking a question about it or being inquisitive about it or something to recognize that you're paying attention and that's what you were saying, Matt, like being seen, that helps somebody be seen. And I love doing that for others. And thus I also love having it done for me. And that is really where energy starts to exchange with me where I'm like, oh my God, this person's genuinely listening and like engaged in this conversation. This is the best of the best of the best. Um, And that's things like looking at the person in the eye. And, you know, I go off a lot of physical characteristics when I'm engaging with somebody, because if somebody's fidgeting and can't look at me in the eye when they're trying to have a conversation, when I'm having a conversation, that's a trigger point to me saying that they're like, that's not a capability of theirs. I can't go here with them because they're uncomfortable, you know? Um, And so I try and provide that for people so that people can recognize that and be like, oh, he can actually take on this stuff and he can listen and like actually come back. And then I hope that that's reciprocated as well. I hope that that person can then turn around and go, okay, now I want to listen, you know, to what you have going on and I've noticed this in like my best friendships that I have that even though we don't talk all the time, um, I just had a best friend call actually on Saturday with my bestie in Sydney. Um, We do like once a weekend or once a month, like on a weekend because she's like a day ahead. Um, But what we do is one of us will kind of start the conversation and it'll be like, okay, this is about her time and she'll go off on all the things that's going on and like all the new stuff and fill me in and I'll listen and actively engage and be really excited and focused. And then there'll become, they'll come like a natural time where the conversation then shifts where she recognizes that it's like, okay, I've, I've been seen. I recognize that I'm happy. I'm fulfilled. Now it's time for me to then give this to the other person who and then it turns to me and I share about what's going on and all the stuff. And she's empathetic and she's there. And so for me, that's what a really great conversation and catch up with somebody is, is that both of you are there to both be seen, but then also see the other person and recognize that that's the exchange that goes on. And that happens naturally in those, you know, really good friendships. But to be more likable is part of that whole energy of like, Being able to look at somebody, being able to listen, putting somebody else ahead of you and ahead of what you want to say, because your internal need for being seen, if it's too loud, that's when you can't engage with this other person because they're trying to share. And you're like, no, but I need to be seen. But then that's actually disconnecting you from what you want. And if you could engage with that person and see them, you're not always going to get it back, but the more it, I found that the more I practice, practice this, the more I do have those engagements with people because I'm showing them that like, I can see you, I can engage with you. And thus, then they start reciprocating and maybe it just takes some time to get there, but eventually the ones who are, you know, you want to get there with, will get there if you put in the time. Um, So those are, you know, some of the things that I do that I like to have. And then that, I also like other people to have in order to be likable. That's what I kind of put that in that bubble of like, these are the things that really make me enjoy being around another person. And that make other people enjoyable for me
0: to be around as well. Beautiful. Love it. Yeah. I think you, you both embody what you said. So I think it makes you guys likable to me, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> okay. So <clears throat> I'll answer the, the traits so i have five or six so authenticity which to me means someone who's really who knows who they are and and is comfortable in who they are it's kind of how i would describe it so Callan, great examples you know how you're kind of saying like you embrace this part of you you know like i love that i love that you kind of know who you are to me that's that's a nice quality like you're not going to bullshit me and i know that um the second one i have is funny enough matt's the same as yours humility Mm. Uh and then the third one I have is non-judgmental, just because uh for me, and I'll talk a little bit about that in the rest of my share. For me, that's been a sort of a big trigger for me is when I sense people are judging me. Um, I just hate that feeling. Um, kindness, uh, someone who's very easygoing. I get along really well with people who are easygoing and super chill, uh, because I'm like I don't get ruffled very much. It's very rare to see me ruffled. Um, and then the other one was witty, because you know, who doesn't love a good witty? A little bit of wet and humor. Yes. I love to laugh okay so let let's then talk about this this likability so again this is this is a really fun question because i think you know similar to you matt that that word does did trigger me a little bit uh for the same reasons as you so i won't go into that again but i want to say this though like there is a difference between wanting to be likable for others i mean by definition that's what it is but also wanting yourself to like the way I think about it is like, hey, I'm going to try to improve this social skill. I want to improve my social skills. Uh, yes, of course the benefit will be to other people, of course. But most first and foremost for yourself, right? You want to be more likable for yourself first, and then of course the byproduct is going to be other people are going to find you likable as well. So you have to want the change for yourself. Um, so it's not coming from a people pleasing perspective, but it's more coming from a hey, I I want this. Like I actually want to improve this part of me for me, and other people are going to see the benefit, and then I will too. So it's it's more of a. I want to to improve this, not I have to. Like I, I I want to be more, you know, kind. Not I have to be more kind. Very different energy around that, because authenticity is not a static thing. People change all the time, right? That that's sure. that's the way the world works. So there is a way to change who you are deliberately, and that's kind of what I want to get at with this question. In a way hence the second part in a way that does not compromise your personal core, core values. And I think that's the trick that's, that we get into, right? How do you do that? Of course you want to change who you are, but then like, you know, that kind of flies in the face of be yourself. So that's where the hard part of this question is. So I'll answer it from an area of my, like my social skills that I wanted to develop uh, years ago. And then I think I've, I think I've done a pretty good job, but of course I'm not perfect. So Step one, it's like a four and a half step process. Step one is to ask yourself what skill, social skill, or what trait, whatever, you genuinely want to develop within yourself. It so it should scare you a little bit, but still feel totally doable. Um, so for example, mine was, I wanted to be less judgmental. I noticed that I was, you know, as, as I think <laughs> many... <laughs> Many gay people can be is judgmental, uh, and I was one of those. I was very judgmental of others and myself. So I kind of said, you know what? I don't want to. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be this. Like this is not something that served me. I don't like it. It feels icky. And I, I decided for myself it's something I want to change. I wanted to be more understanding. So step two, start with you. So the relationship you have with yourself is easy because you're with yourself 24-7. And chances are, if you're being judgmental of others, you're probably being judgmental with yourself. So noticing within myself where I was being overly critical and overly judgmental, and guess what? There was a lot. I was being very, very hard on myself, very, very judgmental towards myself. So start there, start start within. Um, so the next step then would be practicing with other people. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean like, if you don't have a lot of people in your life, then just start with like the basic start with like, I don't know, the cat, the barista at the cafe, like whatever you got, but self-awareness is key. So you have to be aware, first of all, of when you're doing it uh, so that you can make a different choice. So for myself, I would notice when I was doing it with others. So like somebody would be talking and I'd be kind of getting into that critical mode. And then I would interrupt the pattern, make a new choice, say, okay, I'm going to, Something different. First, you have to notice it happening. And then you know, there's between stimulus and response, there's a gap. And in that gap lies your power to choose. That's that's the key, is that gap? So when I caught myself doing it, I'd be like, okay, here it goes. Here's that well-worn path. Then I would ask myself, how can I practice understanding? Because the opposite of judgment is understanding. And so I was like, Hey, how can I practice being more understanding in this moment? Not to the person, like I wasn't even saying anything out loud to them, just this is all in my head, right? Like you know, and that that for me involves getting curious. So I wonder why they're feeling this way. I wonder why they're doing this. I wonder why they're behaving this way. Like Just asking questions instead of just jumping into the judgment phase. And then step four, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> just keep doing it because you're not always going to get it right. It's easy to slip into old patterns. I shouldn't even say slip into, stay in old patterns. It's really hard to make a new one, make a new neural pathways. It takes time. So keep going. Uh, and the important thing is to, to commit to it. And don't judge yourself when you wanna be less judgmental of others. It doesn't help to judge yourself if you fall back in, but more so to learn from the mistakes and say, shit, okay, you know, I'm gonna learn from that, and here's how I'm gonna do better. Um, the saying, practice makes progress is very true. And I will say, for, for the judgment piece, for me at least, it actually was very helpful to apologize where appropriate. So if I was extremely critical or judgmental of a friend or a loved one or someone that I cared about it would help for me to like own that and say hey listen like you know when we spoke on when we spoke the other day I realized that what I said was really critical and I just want to apologize like blew people's minds when I started doing that they'd be like who the fuck are you um, but now, I mean, I, I, I think I, I'm pretty confident in saying that I judge people a lot, lot less. I judge myself still sometimes, but a lot, lot less than I used to, and I've made a bit more room. So that's what I mean when, you know, when I say wanting to change an aspect of you, like being more likable, like I think people who are judgmental are not very likable personally. Um, so there's a way to do it where you do it for yourself and of course everyone else benefits now. There's a bonus step five, which is to surround yourself with people, like-minded people. So if you want to be less judgmental, you know, don't hang out with people who, who are. Try to hang out with people who are understanding and expose yourself to that. Now, this can be hard to do if, you know, you're kind of a byproduct of the people you hang out with. So if everyone else in your friend group is judgmental, of course, it's going to be really hard to do that. So this kind of brings us to our final question, which is what steps can you take to expand your social network? So will start off with Matt.
1: Okay. Yeah, I like that. I like your little five-step process. That was really, really powerful. And I think, uh, yeah, I see myself in it as well. Just judgments. And it's so hard right now to not be. There's so many people with horrible opinions. <laughs> it's hard not to judge it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's very subjective, right? I know everyone has their own uh, uh, perception of reality. But yeah, it's hard not to be judgmental. So if you're doing that work, kudos to you, because it's not easy work. That's for sure. Um, All right. So what do I have here? Um, Be authentic and attract the people who vibe with you. Um, Again, like my social network, I don't want quantity. I want quality. And the only way I can have quality in my social network is to be authentic, right? Because when I'm authentic and I'm representing myself for who who I am, then I get the same people back, right? Uh, because the energy attracts energy. So if I'm embodied and I'm being authentic in an energetic expression of who I am, then that will just draw people in. We're all energetic creatures, right? So we're drawn towards people who embody either energy that we are or energy that, that we want to become. And I think that's really powerful. So, um, and then on top of that, I would say, speak your truth speak my truth that's really everything to me like what what do I have if I don't have my truth if I'm dishonoring myself and abandoning myself left right and center who am I what do I have right that's really a a, a huge thing that I'm really grappling with right now and it's like uh, I just think it's so important to to speak truth and um, whatever that is for you and your your uh, your social network will i think benefit eventually some maybe you'll have uh some conflict and stuff and, and actually it's really interesting because what i'm noticing right now in my life too is that um nothing's ever permanent and people get over shit Do you know what i mean like i've had conflict with people over the last year or two um over covid around different things and guess what the nervous system settles right like and if you're a mature human being you have emotional maturity you'll come back around and you'll be able to just tolerate that person again right so it's like i've let go of this fear that i have to like that I'm, i can't have conflict or i can't disagree with people because i've gotten the taste because i have emotional maturity i've gotten the taste of what it's like to have a fight with somebody around or a disagreement with somebody and it come full circle and six months down the road it's almost like both of you forgot. I'm like, what was that even about again? Right. And it's just, you just come back into connection and it's whatever, right. People have the ability to do that. So we don't have to place so much fear around, Oh my God, I can't speak my truth because what if people don't like me? Well, you might rub someone the wrong way. And then if a couple months later, they've completely forgotten what that was even about. Right. Um, people have good memories, but they're very short I'm finding. Right. And, uh, and that's an advantage to all of us, in my opinion. Um, and then the the two that's important for me, and I'm practicing them right now, is a let myself belong, because I have a lot of narratives and a lot of ideologies from my from ex- past experiences that I don't belong. I am different. I've told that story over and over again, and I think my ego has told the story in a in a very specific way that has made me convicted and righteous in that i don't belong right which again it's just it's it's creating separation it's creating disconnection so i'm trying to rewrite the story that yeah i might not belong but i don't have to make it to be this this shield that i use to not have to experience the feeling of maybe not belonging or being othered or whatever it might be so just allowing myself to belong and opening myself up to connection um is really important because um how can I let the people in that are going to serve me if I'm shutting everyone out? Right. So you have to open up to let the good people in good. I'm using quotation air quotes because that's the definition. I get to decide what that is. People that are in in alignment to me. Um, And then the other thing was uh, create community where people share your interests, because I think, again, if you look at what brings people together, it's commonality and shared interests. So if you're creating either you're, you're creating community like we've done and we're meeting a ton of great people that are in alignment to us and our vision and what we're about, or you join community where people are sharing similar interests to you because that's a beautiful way to expand, um, networks. So meetup groups, um, of things that you're interested in. And I will say this too, because there's the, there's this thing that I see in the gay community and, um, I think it's really unhelpful, uh, which is, gay people only wanting to hang around gay people so it's like oh i'm I'm only gonna go to like you know this gay meetup group and it can only be gay people right and we're keeping ourselves locked in because again i think a lot of us tell the story because of our past experiences that maybe heterosexual people are unsafe or these groups are unsafe they won't let they i won't fit in but think about what that's doing right if we're keeping ourselves in these little niche pockets where it's only gay people allowed then it's not allowing us to meet other amazing people that are just waiting to come into our life to, you know, help us on some mission that we're on or, or whatever, right. Coming into our life for a reason or a season. Um, so I, I, and that's something that I've done. I feel like I've done really well at is I'm very open to all people. You know, I, I don't just, you know, go to gay events. I go to all different events and I meet people and I'm very open to connecting with, um, with heterosexual people as well. And some of my best friends are are heterosexual men. And I've had a lot of really beautiful healing with them, because we joke around about sex, and they joke around with me. And it's just like very light. And it's healing a deep wound that I had when I was younger around being terrified of heterosexual men, and thinking that they were going to reject me. And I kept them out of my social circle intentionally, because I, I projected onto them that they were they were going to reject me or that they were going to think i was disgusting or whatever and there's probably truth to that right we've a lot of us have experienced uh homophobia and hatred from from heterosexual men but not all heterosexual men are like that so um i think there's an opportunity for us to expand outward a bit and have beautiful connections with all people yeah
2: what about well, for that? you callan those mm-hmm. are those are good um yeah. and michael i'd also liked your four slash five step uh process and i want to speak to like a part of that of like you know hanging around the people who think like you it that can be difficult especially in the gay community because if you're in a sad what i call a sassy group or like a very judgmental group you want to fit in with the crowd and you don't want to be the ostracized one and the ousted one but if that doesn't make you feel good you have to go find another space where you can be kind. Maybe those are like, okay, those are the friends I see on a weekend. Out and they're sassy and like I can get that part but I don't have to engage with it like you can have different levels of friendships as well like I enjoy having different levels of friendships as well I enjoy having acquaintances where I don't go deep where it is just sassy and silly and stupid because that fulfills one part of my multifaceted personality that I need and then there are the other friends like you guys where it's like oh we can go real deep we can dig into the conversations we can have those kinds of things and I think that is it is important to recognize that not all friends are going to be equal in regards to what they provide you and that one person or like one or two people shouldn't be all of those things they can be if you get real lucky but there you can also get those things in different areas from different people um and so in saying that steps that you can take to expand your social network for me I've moved around so many times <laughs> I've lived in so many different countries <laughs> in different places that I've like perfected how i personally do this um and you know a lot of it can be starting a new job you can meet new friends at a new job and that gets you out of the routine taking it back to what i talked about earlier at the beginning um is like getting out of your routine getting out of the like every day that you do um i do this thing it's like get out of that space so that you can be a little bit more open um and things like joining social groups so like i've joined the lgbtq choir and I, i'm specifically joined the mixed LGBTQ choir, not just the gay men's choir, because that did expose me to other people of the community. It wasn't just gay men. And I was like, you know, I do want to have a diverse group of friends. And that experienced, or that opened me up to that there. Um, and then I'm in a gay dodgeball league. There are some women in it as well, um, but it's mostly gay. And so that also helped me meet new gay friends that I was like, okay, each each time you have to have a new team every time you, uh, not every time you play, but like every new season that they do you get to be on a new team you get to meet 14 new people but then you also still remember your teammates from before and people that you can meet going out Um, and this is how I met the majority of my friends in Toronto but there's all sorts of groups that you can do it's like how Matt was saying like find things that you like and then groups that those people are doing those things so it's like board games, meetups, volleyball, football, musical theater, enthusiast groups, book reading groups, uh, like literally anything that you find interest in, you can go out there and find some sort of a meetup or some sort of a group online or something that can connect you to that, that then you can start going down and discovering those people. And sometimes it's going to be out and about. Sometimes it's going to be online, like how our group is online. Um, And then you know, at least, you know, you have one thing in common with these people. So there's a connector there. And then that's how friendships can go. Because if you get stuck in this routine of like, fear and like, oh, this is the way it is, I'm just going to keep myself small. And this is going to keep me safe. That's not going to expose you to all these opportunities of growth and meeting people and these beautiful relationships and friendships that can come about this. But you have to get out of that routine and out of that regular thing. And We've not mentioned this in the whole episode but this is literally our last episode of 2023 like it is the new year after this and so you can go into the new year with this mentality of like i personally if 2023 for me i'm labeling like labeling it the year of fear um and i'm gonna be doing every time i have fear come up or like even though it's i don't say it's fear but i recognize it being like oh no the reason really is that i'm afraid I'm going to focus on it and be like, okay, I'm going to do this thing that like I'm afraid of. I'm challenging myself to do these things because it's going to get me out of my regular routine. It's going to stir things up and it's going to create those experiences because fear is usually the thing that holds me back from these social hangouts or these other things that I'm not willing to let it happen anymore and so you can do the exact same for 2023 make it your year of fear the year that you challenge yourself to try at least a couple of new things because once you do it once and you get some positive feedback you can do it again and again and again and that's what really makes it so much easier because It's like, imagine playing an instrument. You're not going to be great at it the first time you try. You're going to suck so bad. You have to keep going again and again and again and again and again. And what people don't recognize is that same principle applies to your personal life and making friends and going out there. It's not easy for you because you don't do it on a regular basis. You have to do it and push yourself and challenge yourself. And it does become easier, but it's not going to become easier until you do the thing. Um, And that's the really hard part for people is to get out of that cycle of doing the same thing every day all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, switch up your routine, try a couple new things, take a different walk that you don't usually go on go in a different direction, go to a different grocery store, like switch things up a little bit. And then that could lead to then branching out and trying these social groups and other stuff like that. But that's how I would suggest people expand their Mm -hmm. their social networks.
0: You all had both such great tips. I have nothing left. <laughs> Those are awesome, and yeah, I, I I want like go back and and listen to that again and underline it. But I think this whole episode has has had tips, you know, throughout it. But um, I guess all I would add is, uh, quit the confusion. You know, so I don't want to hear I don't know how. I think we do know how. Or we just don't want to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, that's a big piece of it. So a little bit of tough love. Don't say I don't know how. We've just given you so many ideas and options. There's likely, if you're still feeling trepidation, it's likely what Callan just said. There's probably a little bit of fear there. Um, but be all in, right? Like be awkward. Let it be awkward. Let it be weird. You're not going to get along with everyone, but at least, you know, put yourself out there. It's, this sounds like the dating episode we had. It's it's really the same idea, right? Like mm-hmm. you have to be willing to put yourself out there. Yes, it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable. Yes, it's going to be a little bit weird. But would it be an episode of our show if I didn't say embrace the discomfort? <laughs> Actually, I would add one more thing. Sometimes it's easier than we make it out to be. So like- Always, oh yes, yeah, often I'm thinking like, oh, I have to go out to meet new friends. But sometimes the answer is like right in front of you. You might already have someone in your circle. Maybe they're just an acquaintance or someone in the periphery who could very well be like someone that you really, really connect with. But they're just, you haven't really got to know them or they're just kind of there. Maybe they're just a friend of a friend of a friend, right? So sometimes look at the circle you already have. Maybe there's someone already there. So I guess that's Mm -hmm. the last thing I'll add. Mm -hmm. Any last words from you guys? Happy New Year to everybody.
2: (laughs) It's going to be 2023. This is what we started this in 2020. Yeah. So our third year going into the third year of podcasting. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. Mic drop for us.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. And when does this air? Like just a few days before New Year's?
2: Yeah. This is, it's the 20, I believe the
0: 29th. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you everyone for joining us for the last year, two years, however long you've been with us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's been quite the journey. Yeah, awesome and we got story, some awesome so. stuff coming up next year. So uh, mm-hmm. in the next episode, we'll be talking a little bit more about that. Okay, guys, any last thoughts? Nope. All we right. Love rainbows. All right. Well, happy new year, everyone. Hope you had a beautiful holiday. Thank you for tuning in today. Uh, if you like what you heard, please go ahead and give us a wonderful review and leave us five stars. We'll be reading the reviews on our future episodes. Uh, and again, check out the show notes to get the attachment style quiz, to learn how you can support the show and also join us in the zoom hangout on the last Thursday of the month. Once again, a big thank you to my lovely co-hosts, Matt and Callan. Thank you for sharing your time and wisdom and we'll see you guys next time.